Hello, welcome to episode three of the Pupcast. I sit down and talk to Andy Hall. He's a member of the Monin Frogs. It's a saxophone sextet. And he's also a member of Latitude 49. He's really funny, really intelligent. It was great to talk about everything that he does with those groups and outside of them. Check him out. It's themoninfrogs.com. That's T-H-E-M-O-A-N-I-N-F-R-O-G-S.com. And latitude49music.com. Follow us. We're Slypup Productions, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're posting new updates pretty consistently. All right, here's episode three. So you do a lot. What is what is Andy Hall's? I don't know. Typical week, okay. life, whatever. Um, um. So a typical week involves a lot of teaching. I do have a full-time saxophone studio yeah. around here. Um, it's I th- Normally I'm around 40 kids and, and I have a couple of adults now, but I think it's creeping up to 45, something like that. Wow. So it has started to be that any teachable hour I am teaching. <laughs> and by that I mean after 3 o'clock sure, on sure. weekdays and uh, weekends. And the reason I say weekends is a lot of times I'm doing makeups now because about every other week I'm doing something with either Latitude 49 or mm-hmm. the Moaning Frogs, mm-hmm. whether that's um, doing a chamber music conference or performance or a photo shoot or something, recording a music video, yeah. something like that. So usually my, my schedule is pretty flexible um, because of the teaching. And um, I kind of have a studio rule of at least three lessons a month, but that kind of allows me the flexibility of yeah. moving things around. That's and nice. Uh, jumping ship a little bit to do a performance, then coming right back and like filling all the hours, the teachable hours sure, sure. <laughs> with teaching. <laughs> um, so yeah, my life is a balance of kind of the the Moan and Frogs and Lad Two Forty Nine, my two chamber groups. They're both sextets. Um, one's a saxophone sextet that does everything from vaudeville to pop, and Lad Two Forty Nine is mostly a new music ensemble that cultivates you know um, shows and tours that. Uh, and my other responsibilities are vast (laughs) in terms of those ensembles, like doing video editing or audio Mm -hmm. editing or designing the website or education projects for both groups, stuff like that. So we, we always have things, uh, on the back burner or like side projects that we're doing that we all do when we're not actually together performing or doing something. Uh, so added together, it's a lot. And then I also have cooking as a huge hobby yes. <laughs> I, I too cook do you yeah yes. I mean I'm I am like pretty much the cook for when both those groups get together we oh, save nice. money and we have like epic meals but for like three dollars a person that's pretty great eating out that, and stuff that, like that. yeah I imagine when you're yeah you know somewhere that it's kind of hard to either find food or find cheap food that's not gross yes it's hard to find cheap <laughs> food that's good for you so where are you going to spend $3 and have, like, a three-course meal, you know? <laughs> not. I, I think nowhere. Yeah, not unless you cook it. Uh, so that, and, you know, I so it's really just, like, projects, teaching, music, and trying to keep in shape, going to the gym. Nice. And then just, you know. I need to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, I'm probably busier than I was as a student at this point. That might mean that I wasn't 
the best student. <laughs> um, but actually, what it means is like, um, I'm really busy. I work hard, but now it's only things that I want to do as nice. opposed to everything. So it's all fun required. things. It's, it's all fun things. And I try to remind myself when I'm like up at like 12 a.m. doing something. It's like, I want to do this. <laughs> this is fun. This I swear this is fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So Latitude is in what, Chicago now? We um, we call Chicago our base. We um, make it a goal to do a couple events or mm-hmm. a few events there a year. Um, mostly it's our base because it's an easy um, place to uh, get together, meaning Janie and Chris, our percussionist right. and uh, pianist, are living there. And for Jason and I, our clarinetist, and myself, the saxophonist, we commute from Ann Arbor. And Chicago is a great hub for flights. So yes. our new cellist goes, can get like a $40 ticket sometimes, wow. you know, <laughs> uh, from Boston. And then uh, Tim Steves, our violinist, flies mm-hmm. in from Houston. Uh, he's a DMA student at Rice. And that's also a cheaper ticket. So Chicago is our home. It's also our place for rehearsal we crash at Jane and Chris's place nice. cook food rehearse all day you name it but yeah, yeah that's that's kind of our home but we will be in Ann Arbor a lot this year because of our residency at Umich um so and same thing when we come to Ann Arbor it's like crash at people's places yep. cook food <laughs> lots of rehearsing nice yeah. I was I was going to ask that. So, like, it seems you figured it out, at least between teaching and Moan and Frogs and Latitude, you know, getting around the country. Uh, is that difficult? Or have you done it enough now where it's just kind of like, all right, I know what I'm doing? It's, um, I would say it's difficult in that, you know, um, just getting ready for a gig in town is one thing. Um, knowing that you're leaving and knowing you have to like coordinate your schedule beforehand, make sure all your students know you're gone, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, packing. So it's like when I pack my car, I'm putting in an air mattress, you know, four <laughs> saxophones, like four music stands, like try to remember everything I need. So some bell peppers. It's a, it's a little hectic, like kind of um, ditching your day to day life. But I think of it as like, a family reunion every time we get together. So at the same time, it's busy and hectic. To me, when my groups get together, whether it's here or somewhere else, it's like a little mini vacation from what I'm doing. Even though it's work, it's just, it's rehearsing yeah. and doing fun stuff. That's and, nice. And the most important thing is our both my groups get along really well. Like both of us call each other family. Like for the Mona Frogs, it's the brothers with Latitude 49. It's just dysfunctional brothers and sisters and everything. <laughs> <else>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, both groups are highly functional and at the same time a dysfunctional right. family. <laughs> right. I mean, we've yeah. all been there. Music yeah. school kind of creates a cra- craziness that <laughs> No, we persists. all we all love each other's craziness. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh what what was your like motivating factor kind of to focus more on chamber music than anything else, I guess? You know, I've never not done chamber music. Mm. Um, I've been in a highly functioning, active chamber ensemble since like ninth grade. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, with, in ninth grade, it was Sax in the City. Um, nice. My saxophone quartet Perfect. in high school. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I got to college and I was always in a saxophone quartet. Um, that was the main thing. Um my undergrad and my master's always in a quartet. We were always doing competitions, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the normal yeah. collegiate collegiate uh, chamber music thing. Um, 
upon graduation was the year that Latitude 49 started. So my first year out of school, that was kind of uh, the doing of me and Janie Parsons, our piano player, and Mm -hmm. just wanted to do something very different, a mixed chamber ensemble that would uh, sort of challenge us to be better musicians and create a new sound uh, that hasn't been heard yet. Um, and then the Monon Frogs, I joined... The Monon Frogs joined the very same... They they were created the very same time Lad 249 was. I just wasn't in it at that point. Sure. Um, my roommate was, so I always was like heavily involved with the Monon Frogs and subbing and going to everything they did. Um, I think I was probably... Uh, not in it at first because I had just graduated. I wasn't a student anymore, knew and knew mm-hmm. where I was going to be right. uh, in the future. Um, but once I was pretty stable in town, um, when there was a spot open, I joined. To answer your question a little more clearly, I never made a conscious decision to be sure. like, I'm a chamber musician. Uh-huh. I just always did it, and it was always my favorite thing. And when I found myself graduated, like not knowing what to do with my life, I just started filling it with the things that I liked to do, and it turned into what it was. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that, you know, I I don't know if I would have guessed that Latitude would still exist in like six years later. Yeah. And same with the Molten Frogs, but the thing is we all like each other so much, and the sort of idea and goals behind the groups... uh, kept everyone driving, you know, and so Mm -hmm. where other groups might crumble, like, let's say, you know, I mean, Moan and Frogs had four members leave at one time. Wow. That would probably kill most groups. Yeah. That's, uh... (laughs) I mean, like, that's two-thirds of the group. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it didn't die. Wow. So um, that's partially because the people who took, stepped up were already highly active, either watching or the group from the, you know from behind the scenes or actively subbing. So there was a little bit of a continuation and everyone really um, believed in the kind of mission or vision yeah. of the group. That's, that, yeah. se- that seems to be what it always is. It's like, we're in school, we all like each other. Right. We all like doing the thing, so let's just like do the thing for real. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're doing it for real. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the best chamber groups, I mean, that's really where most of them started. Yeah. And you ask them like how they got to where they are and they just say, you know, we stayed together. You know, mm-hmm. Prism, Saxophone, Quartet, Eighth Blackbird, um, probably like Ice. I don't know that Ice started in school, but... Uh, probably close. But maybe, you know. Or they um, at least, you know, know each other somehow. Right, right. So it's 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 staying together, really. Yeah. That's how you'll get it. <laughs> you know, you have to be good, of course. You mm, have to maybe have, they just like you to... For your you food. have to have the goods. But other than that, time is, is truly important. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So... Staying together is great, and then the other, I guess, blander side of everything is, like, the business, Yeah, you know? Funding is a huge issue. Yeah. Like, finding gigs, how do you navigate that and still like each other? (laughs) Let me speak, let me do this in two parts. Um, So, with uh, Latitude 49... Our gigs evolved over time. So, like I said, mm-hmm. time is, yeah. is is important. And uh, with both groups, uh, a, a lot of sacrifices have been made by people. And it's it's not thought of like, oh, I'm sacrificing so much. My life is and, you know, yeah. crumbles. No, it's not like that. <laughs> it's just that people probably have lost money to doing a Latitude 49 gig. Um, well, that's definitely true. People yeah. have lost money. I mean, money. that happens all the time. Um, th- 
that doesn't mean that you didn't want to do it. You chose to do that, right? You know, um, and everyone does it proudly. Um, so it's kind of like pushing through the time period in which you know there's no way you're going to be able to make enough money <laughs> to mm-hmm. um, uh, make up for not not making much money while you're on the road. But the thing is, is that happened at key points in all of our careers in which we were making sacrifices left and right to try to further our own careers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I wasn't making as much money, um, you know, losing out a little bit of teaching wasn't as big of a deal, especially because my schedule was so flexible. I could probably make it up at some point. And so I could go do a Latitude 249 gig for like 50 bucks. Now, this was like four years ago, right. you know, when I think our first paying gig was like $500. Now, $500 <laughs> for six people is actually not very much no. money. Um, but that was the smallest amount and every amount after that started getting bigger, unless it was just sort of a self-produced, sure. like very low ticket price concert. So with Latitude 49, it's been evolving um, over time to kind of uh, have residencies be part of the mix, um, education endeavors, um, and higher paying concert series as our sort of vision and concept and playing and everything has improved over time. So now we do make a lot more money and do bigger concert series. And now I maybe lose money not really because it's about equal it's like the right. amount of money i would have made teaching i make on the road you mm-hmm. know something like that um and so lad 249 just got our 501c3 nice. uh, announced so now now we can take donations and we have people waiting at the door like waiting for that status that's um, awesome people that believe in our vision to donate money um Modern Frogs is the same. We just received 501c3. It's really funny. It happened at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, Started at the same totally time. Different. Got the same. Yeah, we just received that. And so, same thing. We have people waiting at the door to um, give donations that believe in the cause. But with Modern Frogs, it was the same thing. It evolved over time in, in a time in which people were still students. They were just getting their career started. They could deal with not making a lot of money. But now we make more money and at least kind of can outweigh the cost of of being on the road um and it's just it's just a lot of fun (laughs) yeah no it's just like it's fun yeah you know we've got people who are paying for tickets or donations now yeah and then you just keep doing it and and particularly um with moaning frogs we we're starting to get into that realm of uh ticketed concerts in which they want butts in the seats sort of thing we we did um sort of a, a chamber no it's not, it's not a chamber music thing it's a arts presenters thing where you play mm-hmm. for a bunch of presenters and for uh agents and stuff like that and we got a lot of positive feedback so we have agents interested in us and venues that want to book us um so modem frogs is probably more seen as like really accessible in that we play everything you know like we we play all sorts of music it's kind of choreographed it's a memorized show it's meant to have visual appeal Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where Moan and Frogs is moving is towards those like you know highly ticketed concerts and not that Latitude 49 isn't doing ticketed concerts but it they tend to be uh, somewhat associated with academic institutions sure, at times, yeah. but also um, more independent mm-hmm. sort of concert series, concert series that have high grant funding, stuff like that. I mean, there's a place for both of those. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Y- you know, you get the the high art, for lack of a better term, and yeah. then, you know, super fun, like still high art, I guess. Yeah. And But, you know, 
Right. Kids they're, will understand it probably, even if they're they don't. Both, yeah, they're both high art in different ways. I mean, yeah. the gig, so for instance, the gig Latitude 49 just did was at the Kenosha Creative Space. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of an um, educational, well, center and building, two things. Um, that's going to be a place for the community to like just start doing projects and educational things and collaborating. And we're working with a group of high school students at that space and giving three different concerts, all of them sort of educational and not informal but informative. Right. Um, and we talk through the whole thing and have them participate by like singing with us and stuff nice. like that. So that's both um, – Art and education all wrapped into one. And, it, you know, that's a sort of institution that has grants and funding for this sort of thing. So we're being paid for it. And it's, uh, it's, it's really quite a pleasure to do. I mean, I, we played for a bunch of high school students and they were going crazy. They loved it. They that's were awesome. like wild applause. I'd rather do that any day than like a stuffy, silent oh, audience sure. where you like see more empty seats than, yeah. you know. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a big part of it too, even just like, Getting people interested in chamber music, especially yeah. at the high school level, because there, there's usually not a lot in most areas. What was amazing is that we were in a beautiful small room with windows in the back overlooking uh, Lake Michigan. Wow. And it was like the kids were like three feet from us and mm-hmm. they got to see us making chamber music with each other, looking at each other, interacting. And I think it was a totally different experience than being in a giant concert hall and they were so open to the music. We didn't play anything totally out there, mm-hmm. but we played, you know, high art music, and they loved it. Uh, and they're just they're just high school band, so it was yeah. it was a really cool feeling. I mean, that's really cool that experience. that's what chamber music is. It's engagement. It's right interactivity to a sense. Right, and we live in a world where now you have to have like a multi thousand dollar music video right. to get watched, and we forget that you know without all the glitz and glamour, you kind of need to be in front of the musicians to Mm -hmm. really hear and feel the music. Um, So it's really important to have live music. Yes. You know, for young kids in particular. And I'm really happy that both groups are doing educational work, trying to build up that audience (laughs) for the future. Yeah. Even if not just for yourself, but for like chamber music in general. It's both, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the most rewarding things that I do are the education concerts. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're also the biggest audiences. Modern Frogs, we played for like probably 7,000 kids wow. in San Antonio. Uh, we did we did hundreds of kids on our last tour to Pennsylvania at a charter school. Um, and they, they love it. Like we play an arrangement of Let It Go. Nice. And um, everyone's like holding hands and, <laughs> <laughs> and like literally singing with us. Like it's a totally different experience. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, they sung the whole, like the entire song with us in Pennsylvania. Did. And the teachers were like, um, uh, two of the female teachers were pretending to be the uh, the two princesses and they were like casting That's, spells at each other. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in terms of like, you know, successes that you expected or didn't expect even you know like teaching like that and doing stuff like that is awesome or what what would you classify you know something you might not have expected that like oh my god like people love this something unexpected for for either group or just hmm oh man okay well no no it's a it's a good question so let's say for the moaning frogs um 
in in music school, we um, practice like six hours a day, and it's mm-hmm. for all the details of the music. Like, you know, did I really come in niente on that note? All that stuff. Right. Um, it's important to have a period of time in which you're working that hard on stuff. But I've learned with the Moan of Frogs, it's like some of the most most important things is the energy on the stage, and um, us like visually interacting with people so that they can see we are having fun and enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I've realized that people do not like looking at stuffy musicians no. not interacting with each other, even if it sounds like the best thing they've ever heard. But yeah, they don't care. Um, they don't care. Uh, uh, that's been a huge lesson, is like what people actually enjoy as opposed to what we're trained to obsess over Mm -hmm. and those obsessions were important because it's why everything sounds so good but even the mistakes that happen people don't notice you know most people assume that we just gave a flawless performance and right i mean that's because we focus on the on the show when we're on the stage when we get off the stage that's when we can Mm -hmm. you know nitpick everything and whatever but then we got to put that aside the next show. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So one thing we're doing right now is we just uploaded our entire performance from Temple University, the Monum Frogs, and um, we say, let's watch this entire video and see what we thought was awkward, what was like a low point, you know, mm-hmm. critique the musicality of it too, but really um, critique it in a broader sense of like, what would someone who doesn't really know music that well think about this? Right. You know, that's one of my biggest lessons from both ensembles. Latitude for Night is the same thing. I mean, we're sitting down, but like the fact that we, well, I don't smile when I'm playing because I'll lose my arm, sure. But <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but um, you know, just those Chris those smiles. those eye contact, the the little smirks from the cello or the violinist, like it's really important. Yes. But really, it's just a visual representation of how much fun you're having. Right. Um, and that's what people want to see and hear. Mm-hmm. That and you know that's what gets people. That's what gets butts in seats. Yeah, is you know yeah yeah you could be perfect. You could be the best ensemble, but if nobody wants to actually watch you, yeah, then it doesn't always mean I mean, anything. I, th- I think even in in classical music and sort of those classical pop stars, almost people play up and and are, they play up the drama and the personalities yeah. of the people. Everyone knows like what Yo-Yo Ma is like on stage. Right. And that's like one of the huge reasons you want to go see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think personality and having sort of an actual something to say and yeah. is is really important um, no matter what music you're playing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So the opposite, you know, what, what are some challenges that you've encountered or, you know, at least had foresight enough to see and how do you how do you tackle those? Could you narrow that question? Yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> so for like you know, I guess a challenge for latitude is like traveling and getting everybody okay, yeah, together. Yeah. Um, has there been like sometimes like oh we just we just can't do this? I think for me the challenge has been getting used to not having eight hours of rehearsal a week. Yeah. What I realize now is how much wasted time I've <laughs> I have done in rehearsing. Like I think and and maybe all of this was just necessary, but I've had quartets that would meet eight or ten hours a week. It's like, what were we rehearsing for yeah, that long? Like, like how organized were we? Yeah. Or how much of it were we just trying to overcome individual sort of 
faults right. and you know and and i realize now is like you you have to be on the top of your game all the time to play chamber music you have to be a phenomenal instrumentalist mm-hmm. But you have to learn how to get things done really quickly. We probably recorded uh, a piece uh, with under, I would say, under eight hours of rehearsal. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in one of our groups. Uh, so it's it's like having a vision of the piece before you even get together, study the score, know exactly what's happening, um, decide cues even on a Skype call or something <laughs> and get together and make it happen really quickly. Um, and part of that is knowing each other's playing really well. Um, yeah. I know how Tim cues. I know how to play with Jason. You know, I know like what to watch for in Chris's wrist when he's getting mm-hmm. ready to like yep. <laughs> strike the microphone. <laughs> That's part of it too. And I, 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 I think you have to have the pressure of learning things really quickly to actually start to pick up on those things more intensely as opposed to just like having all the time in the world and not really worrying about that. It's almost like rehearsals used to be just memorizing how the piece is going to go and drilling it until everyone's doing it perfectly, Mm -hmm. but maybe not being as active mentally on like, how can we get this done really quickly? Yeah, I would say that's a, because yeah, of course, like learning how to actually fly people in and the logistics of getting together. But Mm -hmm. I say, but you still have to do an hour and a half long concert really really well that's the hardest part (laughs) you know what i mean like we haven't played together in a month but now we're going to do three shows in a row how do we get back to where we just were yeah you know yeah and at least in school you know you've got a bunch of time and everything and i think that's why it's like oh we've got like a three-hour block let's just rehearse for three hours whereas like if you're really pressured it's like we got it we got to get this done but the thing is is i know that a lot of people in chamber ensembles in school are not practicing their chamber parts. Yeah. They're practicing their concertos for the yep. concerto competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you don't realize how much time you're wasting of yours and everyone else's when you haven't done score study and you haven't learned your part. Yeah. So much of rehearsal is wasted rehearsal at that age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess that's why you're at school, just to realize that. Hopefully. Yeah, you do. You do have to realize <laughs> that. But I've always thought maybe schools could be, could kind of put the metal pedal to the metal, so to speak, of like, why aren't there eight symphony band concerts a semester? Yeah. Because have you ever um, noticed that in uh, school ensembles, um, everything kind of immediately jumps up the last week before yep. the concert. People yeah, like, have actually practiced their parts. They're like, oh crap, yes. I actually have to play yeah, it. Yeah, it's now. like it's like mediocre so, until the dress rehearsal. Yeah. So let's stop treating it as a student ensemble and treat it as a professional ensemble. I think that's what we actually yes. need to get ready for the professional world is, yes, you're doing a concert every week. That's what you do mm-hmm. when you graduate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and like as a performer, you need to be able to handle that. And like if you can't handle that in the real world, then you're yeah. not going to get callbacks. Right. It's, it's driven me crazy to be in rehearsal, no matter if it was chamber music or band or orchestra, and to know that the reason things are not going well is because people are not able to play their parts. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, really frustrating. it's like you're sitting there and you're like, I, I like, I know when my part comes up, it's going to be fine. Yeah, you know, it's a little egotistical, whatever. But you know that it's going to happen. And, and we, so, you know, and, and and I've still had that experience even in both my ensembles. And some people, sometimes you just have to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I am not good on this part. Yeah. Let's leave it. And I promise it will be where it needs to be next rehearsal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that doesn't mean you didn't 
put your your work into it, but maybe it just is not the same right. playing with everybody else as you thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and you need to shed it a little bit more yeah. before you waste everyone's time and drilling yeah. it over and over again. It's a respect thing. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's, I it know, is. like I know I'm going to get it. You guys hopefully know I'm going to get it. <laughs> Let's just move yeah. on. We'll, exactly. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, we could drill this for an hour, but I know our time is better spent somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But the goal would be to never have a moment like that. Of, oh, and, yeah, of course. And it gets closer and closer. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the goal, right? It's yeah. just to get better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 maybe it's just my perception, but I improve more just now than I did as a student. And maybe it's just maturity, but I know mm-hmm. that I improve more. Yeah. In less you know time. More. In less time. Yeah, it's like I, you know, I've got this bank of everything that I know. Right. How I approached uh, all these pieces that I've played, I can just, you know, take how I applied that one thing and that one piece right. and do it now. So instead of having to figure right. it out again. And I think when you are, when you leave that environment of having a teacher every week, your colleagues are your teachers. Yes. And that I learn from every member of the Morning Frogs. Uh, no matter if it's the undergrad member or the person who's been in the field the longest with with no teacher performing with tons of ensembles. It's like Mm -hmm. everyone has something to teach. And um, I mean, as a saxophonist, I have been challenged so much playing with Latitude 49 in terms of matching the virtuosity and sound and timbre of the violinist, you know. And Tim's just incredible. Or, Or like being totally taught a lesson on phrasing by Janie who actually understands the tonality of the piece, you know, or something right. like that. And same thing with the Mona Frogs. It's like when people are like shredding an improv improvisational solo, it's like, man, I need to up my game <laughs> in that area, you know? So, so my, my collaborators are my teachers now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's important, especially like, you know, if you are in school, because, you know, you you go in your lesson, you go, all right, I'm going to work on, at the end of the lesson, you go, all right, I'm going to work on all these things that they said. And then you get into like a symphony band. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, you don't, you, I could be practicing my concerto yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you don't take any note. Like there might be something like really nice happening in another section. It's just like, Jesus, I could be working on my concerto or whatever. Yeah. There's a high stress in school to to for for solo playing and it's interesting because that's the smallest market yep. in the music field is mm-hmm. playing solos so why is the biggest concentration in music school i think it's like a technique thing it's like sure. okay all yeah. these pieces have you know all these techniques that you need to know so here play it and we'll work on it in your lesson but right yeah chamber music large ensemble stuff even like duets i do think it needs to be balanced a yes. bit more because it's one thing to be asked to play incredibly quiet in a solo. It's another thing to be asked to do that with multiple instruments worrying about balance and intonation. Mm-hmm. So which is the stronger lesson? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you were to go and tell your younger self like one piece of advice, like your college age or freshman age even, it's like you need to do this thing. What do you think you would do this thing or stop doing this thing? Yeah, or stop. Um, I would tell myself two things. Probably one, stop taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and two, um, think about what you actually 
want your life to look like hmm. and what you actually want to do in the music field as opposed to what you think might be the only option. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, cool. If people wanted to find you on the interwebs. Uh, so, yeah, um, my group, Latitude 49, has a has a website, latitude49music.com. Um, then also the Monin Frogs, the Moninfrogs.com. Nice. And uh, I had a website. I let it uh, kind of uh, expire because I was more kind of, <laughs> I, I do both <laughs> the websites for my other groups. Yeah, no, kiss my, yourself. So actually my goal is uh, this winter um, uh, to get my personal website and up, up and going. And it's going to be kind of a, sort of an educational hub as well as links to all my chamber stuff. Nice. Um, and that website would would be andyhallsaxophone.com assuming I still own the domain. <laughs> You'll find it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I hope to get that back up. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. It.